This is Combat Learjet. My name's Steve. Episode two, appreciate you joining in and joining us. Uh, we talked about this on episode one, but the plan is to, to do to do these roughly once a week, depending on our schedules. Try to get these out and just uh, to be a forum to answer questions, forum to talk aviation type stuff, a forum to have fun and talk about some of the, you know, the stupid things I post on Instagram about flat earth and i'm actually wanting to have a flat earther on here so we'll we'll see how that goes um, hopefully that would be amazing. hopefully yeah maybe flat earth t-shirt would come on and uh explain i i'm still not sure that guy's not just doing that to sell t-shirts but it, if he is it's a it's an amazing yeah he's, business a, he's a master of that so and then chemtrails a lot of good fun on that I well, think we could definitely touch on some chemtrails this time but yeah. before we jump into that last episode we talked a lot about your military career um, and one thing that we kind of glazed over that I think a lot of people would be interested to hear is uh, your deployments. We didn't hear anything about that last time. Okay. Yeah. I'll talk about both in the Air Force and uh, in the Air National Guard. Okay. Yeah. So I'd say my very first deployment in the KC-135 as a co-pilot, we deployed to Turkey. That was an operation of we, at that back then, it was called deny flight. Saddam Hussein was not allowed to fly in the northern and southern part of his his country. Um, this is after the initial Gulf War, but prior to the last you know several wars over there. But so we were flying missions. We were uh, refueling fighters at the time. Uh, one of the main uh, main fighter packages that we were doing were called wild weasels, and if you're familiar with with what those guys were, it it, it was, it was an F-16 and an F-4, so this dates it a little bit. But they were, uh, their their whole job was to look for radar sites and uh, go kill those, our SAM sites. So they were they were they had a neat mission to go out and look. So we would set up an orbit in northern Iraq and refuel the uh, the wild weasels when they'd come up to us. That was an exciting deployment. There was a couple of times uh, along the way that uh, AWACS would be controlling you, and you would get the call from uh, AWACS telling us to retrograde, which is mean basically uh, as, a, as a 135, as a tanker, we have no weapon, we have nothing. So we would turn and run. Um, but the 135 with the big engines uh, could run pretty fast. So we actually had that happen to us once. They called a, uh, I think it was a fish bed. Iraqi fighter was high and fast coming in at around 45,000 feet and mock whatever, one point something right at us. So um, the, you, I could tell in the controller's voice, he was like, get out of there now. So we did. We turned, started a descent, and uh, in a retrograde, the the 135, I, if I remember right, uh, could definitely go around 0.9 Mach, which is for a big old airplane, is moving. So it's shaking and rumbling. But at the time, we were worried that, you know, they were going to try to shoot us down. So we retrograded out of the area. The Iraqi, they just were playing games with us. He got right to the edge of his airspace and then turned around because he knew if he if he came out, our fighters were going to engage him and uh, his lifespan was not going to be too uh, too long. So uh, that was my first uh, deployment uh, in the 135, and it was obviously very memorable. Inserlik, Turkey, um, it was a great place. We flew a lot of missions. I got a lot of experience, and uh, 
and enjoyed that. Um, I had several, like I said, several more over the years. Um, one of my other missions in the in the 135 as a co-pilot, we had a special ops mission, and I, I was involved in that. And in essence, what we did, you know, it's it, it sounds funny, but it, for the 135s, it's as special ops as we could get. But we would uh, we would refuel the special ops 130 guys, the gunships, and the HC-130s, and and the guys that were doing things in different places. And those types of refueling were all done. Uh, calm out, lights out. Um, Under night vision. Yeah, and we wore we wore night vision. They wore night vision, obviously. So it was a, uh, it was just done, you know, un, obviously under the cover of darkness, all that stuff. So, um, one story I got with that that uh, again will get your heart rate up is uh, we we also did this these refuelings at low altitude uh, for us, which are around six or th- seven thousand feet. Normally we refuel up in the 20 some thousand feet range. So we were, it was planned. We were going to meet at a point at a certain time. We were supposed to be, I think at like 5,000 feet, the, um, the 130 um, was supposed to be a thousand feet below us. And the way we would do the refuel or the rejoins, we would roll in behind the 130 and then overtake him because they're so slow. And then as we got over the top of them, we'd slow down and then they would they would uh, hopefully match our speed and come up and get their gas. I remember I was looking through the night vision goggles, looking down, looking down. I couldn't see them. I couldn't see them. No, but of course, we're not talking. There's no lights on. It's just total darkness. And uh, as I um, as I was looking down, I was like, I don't see him. He must not be here. And I just happened to look up and he went right over the top of us and. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's above us. And uh, that's when we realized at that split second that uh, somebody was at the wrong altitude. And uh, it ended up just being a mix up in the planning and they were at an altitude, they thought they were at the right altitude, we thought we were at the right altitude. Thankfully, we weren't at the same altitude or that would have been terrible, but uh, we missed each other. But it was one of those occasions where you realize, wow, that was, that was potentially a close call. How so, close were they? Well, they were a thousand feet above us, so that wasn't terrible. But they just were not at the right altitude. We thought we thought they were going to be below us, or you know. And anyway, it it worked out. It's uh, you have those in your Air Force career, and you just move on, and you're grateful that it all worked out okay. So, um, I, the other mission I deployed in the 135 is um, we deployed down to Panama to. Uh, um, to uh, refuel AWACS, there were. This is back when the war on drugs was. We were really getting engaged in that, and we would refuel AWACS, who in turn were looking for drug runner airplanes. Um, and then we didn't. We didn't ever do anything the military, but the uh, other countries would engage them once we found. So that was a that was a mission that I I deployed to Panama over, and you know enjoyed that. And then you know just all the different areas. Uh, of the world. Probably my best deployment that I ever went, we deployed to Istris, France. This is when uh, I think it was Bosnia or I don't know, Kosovo, one of those were going on. But Istris, France is down on the French Riviera and it was a fantastic place to be deployed. So I enjoyed that. We were there for about, I don't know, six, eight weeks. So uh, that was my 135, lots of different ones. The C-21, our unit our, our 
primary mission was stateside, so we didn't deploy a lot in that. However, you could volunteer to deploy, and I did. I I, I deployed a couple times in the C-21, and we deployed to um, Qatar or Qatar, however you want to say it. And we fly missions all in the Middle East. So we're taking the C-21 into some pretty uh, unique places. And that really, as if you see the patch, that's the whole point of that patch, the combat Learjet, unaware, unafraid. And I mean, we were flying, we're flying combat into combat zones in Iraq and Afghanistan. And we have, we have zero countermeasures, countermeasures. So any way to know if you're getting shot at? Yeah, there's no way. Uh, So you're, you know, and occasionally we'd be asked by our passengers, you know, what kind of countermeasures we had. And we would just snicker and say, you know, (laughs) I guess we'll see the flash when it happens, but uh, (laughs) we, uh, we didn't have it. So that was the whole running joke. So that's what's behind the combat Learjet unaware, unafraid patch. Um, It is, you know, it's a running joke. It was a joke over there. And, uh, you know, it, we, we kind of took it and uh, Derek from uh, Mo Guns here uh, really modified it and improved the quality of the ones that we actually had over there were pretty rough, but uh, it's, it's awesome now. So um, that was the primary area, uh, place that we deploy. And then uh, we were, you know, we went up to Alaska, if you want to call that, we went up to several places uh, for some of our different missions and we can talk more about what those missions were. I, over the years, didn't talk a lot about that, but that, yeah. So those were, I would say a handful of the deployments that we did. So, yeah, I would, uh, the other thing, I, I guess I'll just kind of piggyback on the 130 or on the C-21, what we did, you know, primary mission, we do a lot of things in the C-21. It's a neat airplane. When we're deployed, um, one of our primary missions outside of just moving folks around uh, in the different war zones where it was, and when I say folks, we moved different, you know, sometimes it was some ranking leadership, but, you know, other times you're carrying small teams of who knows what, I don't know what they're doing and they don't necessarily tell you, but you move folks around. You also, uh, we also were a small cargo that needed what you would call timely cargo needing to get someplace quickly. We would, uh, we would do those missions. Um, we carried uh, the U2 film a lot. So once the U2, the U2 has a couple platforms now where they will, they will, you know, can digitally download stuff, but now they, they also have platforms where it's still recorded on a big roll of film. It's huge. That's a big camera. Yeah, it's big. It, the, the film weighs a couple hundred pounds, but we would, we would go in and pick that film up and move it to where it needed to, to go. So, um, that's, uh, you know, that, that, that are some of the missions of the, the, the Learjet, probably the one that's, I, you know, and I've, I've alluded to it and maybe talked about it a little bit on Instagram is it's our air defense uh, mission that we do with that. Now, obviously after September 11th, the world changed. And one of the things we realized from that is that we were not really prepared for that type of scenario. You know, we were prepared to go to war with different countries, with a but, conventional enemy. Yeah. But somebody stealing our own airplanes and hijacking them and flying them into buildings is not something I don't know that we'd ever envisioned. So, uh, so we decided, not we, but the powers to be decided that we need to be prepared for that scenario. So, so we, we now test that our air defenses are tested and I won't talk a lot about how that happens or what we do, but the, the Learjet is vital, uh, plays a vital role in, in us, um, you know, testing those type of defenses. So, uh, and it, it makes sure that the, the fighters that are out there and, uh, 
ready for that are at the top of their game and ready to do it. So helping make sure 9-11 never happens. Again. Yeah, I mean, that's our that's our plan. Obviously, there's a lot of layers in that. But if it gets to that point, we're kind of the last line of defense, hopefully, to help help uh, prevent that. And that was interesting uh, when you mentioned the unaware and afraid that I think has been really funny watching whenever uh, some of the conspiracy theorists get on your page. I've seen multiple times that they'd comment thinking that the unaware, unafraid was relating to you. You don't know and you don't care about the chemicals that you're spraying out the back of your plane. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, and and I think we'll, we'll dedicate maybe the next, uh, um, next episode episode we'll dedicate solely to uh, chemtrails. Um, so much good content. I, I will. I will tell you how I kind of got involved in it. I was early on in in Instagram. I was. I just posted a picture of I'd passed over a. Um, uh, I passed over a uh, an airplane that was pouring out some amazing contrails. I took a video of it. I posted it. It's like, hey, I got this great contrail uh, video today. And out of the blue, I don't know if it was shared somewhere or what, but I started getting all these people telling me it was. It was uh, chemtrails. I didn't even know what a chemtrail was. I'm like, what? Are, what are you talking about? So I had to go in and research what a chemtrail was, and then dive into that black hole yeah. section of the internet. And then I ran in. There was a guy. He's he's not out on it. He's on he's on Instagram. He's just uh, he's not as active as he was. But uh, he is. Uh, he was known to kind of poke the chemtrailers, and he actually hit me up and said, Hey, these folks, this is what they believe. And here's some websites. And that's when I realized, Oh my gosh, this is a huge conspiracy theory. And, uh, didn't he also introduce you to Joe, the wizard? <laughs> yes. Joe, the wizard. There's a guy out there, Joe, that has, uh, we can talk about Joe. He's got crystal wands, uh, 145, 144 sided Vogel crystal wands that dissipate chemtrails. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that's, uh, that's all part of it. that. We'll have some good times on that. We'll get, uh, <laughs> Wagner on here too to uh, talk about some of his because he's uh, he had a great post today with uh, one of our shirts on there. So yeah, the Kim Trail shirt, that's it. And again, Derek designed that. Uh, it's just a, it's, we purposely made the shirt so you couldn't really tell if you're pro or anti Kim Trail. <laughs> so just so you know, that's the reason we get people going, well, you can't tell. I don't know. That's exactly it. So at, at SHOT Show, you came with us to SHOT Show this year and you wore it around and Multiple times you had people working at the Venetian Center in Las Vegas who stopped you to tell you that they believed in chemtrails and were glad to see someone else. Yeah, there yeah, they thought I was pro chemtrails. Of course, I didn't tell them who I was and I just laughed at it. So, yeah, but that's the whole point of the And the shirts get a lot of mileage. A lot of people look at it. it does. It does kind of look like Coke, but then you read and go, you know, chemtrails, you don't have a choice. So anyway, we'll we'll have to talk a whole one so all right yeah mike said he's going to be in so we look forward to that so we'll talk in the near future see if we can uh, make that happen on there so um any more questions uh, as we kind of wrap up this last one on on getting in the military those kind of things how to you know what you recommend i did get an update on the age let me see here i just saw this pop in um joe sent me a, which we uh, mentioned last episode the age yeah. cap for getting into pilot training yeah so it's 28 and a half years old for the board and 30 for being at pilot training, I think. So there, you know, again, just that, I know that a lot of folks run into that, um, that scenario, like, well, I, I finally got some hours. I'm ready to go. I'd like to be an Air Force pilot now. I'm, you know, and maybe in the near future, the Air Force might change that. 
I would say on the positive side of that, the Air Force is hurting on pilots. They are short pilots right now. So uh, if you have any desire at all to, to be a military pilot, not only could you be a pilot, but there's a good chance if you're able to obviously meet the qualifications and in the standards of being a fighter pilot, is if that's what you want, because they're really short. I don't know. The last number I heard was like six or 700 fighter pilots short right now. So, Which is surprising because you'd think that's the job that most people out of pilot training would want. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a job. Uh, you know, it's a job that a lot of people do want. Uh, I mean, it's a great if you want to go do that and uh, be one of those uh, fast movers. It's awesome. It is also, you know, that there's a shortage because there's a lot of reasons there's a shortage, but a lot of the guys are getting out and going on and, you know, doing other things. So uh, uh, the military, uh, I don't know, I want to say this, I guess, but I, the military was good to me and I, I, I'm very grateful for everything, you know, it was. I would say though, and it, and for a lot of people, me included at times, it's hard on people. It's hard on families. It can be. I mean, if you're gone, if you think back of the last 10 to 15 years, we've really done nothing but been involved in one conflict after another. And so that that wears guys down. And so, so those are some of the reasons, you know, along with others. Deployments. Yeah, a lot of guys gone. And, you know, sometimes pilots feel like we do everything in the Air Force except for be pilots, which, you know, um, that gets frustrating for guys because you're you're constantly doing other stuff except for just flying. You just want to fly. So not just, but you want that to be your primary job. So, um, yeah. So uh, Dirty Evil, what kind of workout uh, do you do to meet the physical demands of being a pilot? That's a great question. I'd say, you know, early on, you definitely need to be in great shape. And uh, Joe, if you're still in here, you could uh, you could pipe up that being in shape will help you get through the training initially to become a pilot. Um, so, you know, you need to be able to you need to be able to excel and run in the mile and a half push ups, set ups. I mean, we're we're the Air Force. We're not we're not the SEAL team. So it's not that level. But I, I would say that you're you're definitely in shape and that may help you get the pilot slot as far as being a pilot. Um, you have to meet the Air Force has a standard that you have to meet every year, but it's not it's not challenging really. And you know, I would just say though it, it's it varies for what you're doing. And uh, you know, it, for example, as a fighter pilot, I mean, you got to maintain a level of physical fitness because pulling G's all the time it's hard on your body. And if uh, if you're not you know where you should be physically, you know, uh, you can run into into situations. So. Uh, that's a that's a great question. Uh, it all it's kind of the whole package, you know. If you're wanting to get in the Air Force, I recommend, like I said before in the previous, you know, good grades, good scores on the SAT, ACT, stay out of trouble. Uh, that's a big one, you know. Stay out of you know it's the whole thing you always hear. Stay out away from drugs. But I don't know how it is right now. But the Air Force, a lot of times, will ask, "Have you ever done drugs?" So there's some of these things can follow you for a while, you know, or arrest. You know, being a stupid teenager and you got arrested for whatever, sometimes I could come back to haunt you. So I always say try to avoid, obviously, that stuff. Stay out of trouble. Good scores, good grades. Be physical, fit, and, you know, all that stuff will work out. And hopefully you don't have some of those physical issues like I talked about, you know, the color blindness. Or uh, Here's a question I get a lot. What if I'm a, a ADHD and I've been on the medicine? Um, that could be a disqualifier for you. I I don't know the specifics on that. If you're still on it, I don't think you can be a pilot. I think there has to be a time frame from when you last took it to when you're applying. And 
that's not saying go stop taking your medicine if you need to. I'm just saying that there's <laughs> get off your meds yeah, to be a pilot. Yeah, hey, I'm stopping now because I want to be a pilot. So, but there's some there's some limitations there. So those are all things that, again, if you if you if you hit me up on DM or email, some I can I can ask flight docs and maybe get some of those answers. But those are some of the things that uh, you know that uh, have some limitations on on being a, a military pilot. So yeah. Looks like we've answered, uh, I think, most of them. Where did I go to school? There's one. Uh, I went to the University of New Mexico. I was a Lobo. So that's where I went to college. That's where I went to ROTC. Uh, and previously, someone asked if your degree track in college will affect or help you become a pilot in any way. You know, there that has kind of ebbed and flowed over the years. There's been times where the Air Force really wanted engineers, and they really encouraged folks to be engineers. I don't know that that's necessarily the case right now. Uh, I was not an engineer. Um, so it, you know, I was able to get in, you know, I had a, uh, had a worth, worthless psychology degree. That's partly why I guess I am who I am on Instagram, but uh, uh, there are, uh, um, there are, there are some different tracks that may or may not help you. So again, that's something that uh, I think that it probably comes and goes. I know, uh, uh, it does, Joe saying that it does for OTS and uh, Joe, Joe, if you can let me talk about you for just a second, Joe, Joe and I have talked on Instagram for probably what, how long the last year or so, maybe a little bit more. Um, uh, Joe DM me said, Hey, I've got some questions. We talked, I tried to find some answers and Joe ultimately went to OTS, uh, graduated OTS, got a pilot slot and is now. Um, I think getting ready to start pilot training here real soon. So, uh, uh, so he's kind of, he's kind of the guy that's got all those fresh answers. I'm, I'm an old guy that doesn't necessarily have all that, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, a year and a half, he said. So yeah, it's been a while. We've been talking for a while. So it is, uh, I mean, he's an example of, you can go from being outside there to making, making your dreams come true if you want, uh, want that. So, uh, and I know I've sent a few people to Joe to say, hey, can you help them with this, that, and the other? So, uh, but yeah, it's a, you know, that's that's a neat thing. That's a, uh, I mean, that's a great thing of Instagram that I think is, is I would have never had the opportunity to do that. And, you know, there's a couple folks out there that are working through the system right now. So again, that's, as I said in the first one, I, I you know, I, I, I like to have fun, give people a hard time, but ultimately behind the scenes, if I can help, help you guys realize your dreams and do what you're doing. And that's, that's what, that's what it's all about. So, uh, um, and if you're on here, uh, Joe's on here, if you have questions and you're not on the live, you can DM me and I'll, you know, I'm, I can uh, pass you Joe's, uh, uh, IG information so you can ask him. So, um, ah, uh, so here's a, here is a, uh, here's a question. Let me just, uh, I'll pick this one. What do you think about the current North Korean situation? A uh, bit hard answer, not politically, but okay. That's a great question. You know, I will tell you, and you guys probably know, I make, I've made fun of North Korea over the time, you know, with it, their it's rocket. It's hard not to make fun of. Kim yeah. With, with his airplane flying and his rocket launches. <laughs> and I get people telling me all the time, Hey, this is serious. It is serious. And I realize it's serious. Um, you know, that's part of who I am. I, I mean, it's just so easy to not make fun of that. However, uh, I will tell you that from the time I've been in the military, we've been worried about North Korea. I remember early on us talking about North Korea. I mean, they've been 
they've been crazy they've, for a long yeah, time. Yeah, they've been crazy and they've been doing things, you know, they've been pushing for a long time. I want to hope that it's just all, you know, it's just all a, a blowhard that's out there saying these things. And here's the situation. Can North Korea hit us? No, not right now. Um, they could probably get something to Japan, which could, would we have people and, and obviously there. I think the biggest concern is South Korea. South Korea is obviously right there. They have lots of things pointed at South Korea. Um, it, it could be devastating. So I hope that we're able to navigate this, uh, these, these troubled waters. Um, you know, I always say the last person that wants to go to war is the people in the military. I mean, they're, we're not warmongers. We understand what it takes and what the sacrifices are going to be. So I hope that uh, I hope that we're able to figure this out. And that's not being political at all. I'm, I'm not going to be that on here. I just they they are a threat. They they do have nukes. That's a that's a serious threat in itself. They just don't have a delivery system yet that works. So um, so hopefully we can uh, we can figure that out. So. Yeah, there's some people asking Joe for your Instagram. I don't know if you want to give that out here or not, but I, I don't want to throw you under the bus on some of this stuff. But uh, if uh, if you want to DM me, if he doesn't uh, if he doesn't get back to you, we'll get back to that. So awesome! Um, I think that is a great place to yeah. wrap up episode two. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, if you're not listening to this live, be sure to subscribe to Steve's YouTube channel, Combat Learjet, where you can tune in and talk with us live and we'll try and answer your question as best as possible. As we mentioned, it's a whole lot easier to talk to people here than it is through Instagram when the comments on your posts and your DMs can reach the thousands pretty, pretty easily. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Be sure to check out MoGuns.com, M-O-E-G-U-N-S. That's where we have all the Combat Learjet uh, stickers, T-shirts, apparel. We're adding more stuff of that soon. Thank you for listening. I'm looking forward to getting the show off the ground and doing more episodes and seeing who you're able to bring in and talk to. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for putting this together, Derek. And and I also want to do one last shout out, Pilot to Pilot. He did the first, uh, first one out there, and uh, he's going to release one that I did um i did probably three or four weeks back so uh, I'll, I'll i'll post something on that but uh, again i like the i like the form of being able to talk more than just uh, on instagram so appreciate it and you know we'll be back uh, we'll be back next week so yes we will we'll see you then so see you then all right guys for the uh, the live guys hey really appreciate you guys engaging coming yes, in here thank you for spending your evening with us yeah the the, the questions are awesome that is uh, that's what that's what i really want so i'm hoping that uh you know, I just tried to see them. Um, Todd and Joe, I appreciate you guys kind of being in there and throwing some stuff out there. That that helps. Um, we'll uh, uh, new shirts. Yeah, we're yes, still the uh, probably the Chemtrail Zero is probably going to be next. Yeah, Chemtrail Zero shirts, and we're going to have some larger sizes. So yes, uh, yeah. So all that stuff will uh, will be coming. I I promise you, Todd. So uh, and thanks for all the stuff. I know a lot of you guys send me cool stuff. I don't just, I don't ever I don't ever find that stuff on my own. I'm you know, people are like, oh, you have an awesome page. I'm like, yeah, because people send me cool stuff. It's not because I typically find it. You know, I just Shh, don't. don't so, tell them the yeah, secrets. I know. Those are the secrets. So I have to give credit to, you know, the guys like Todd and stuff that send me great stuff. But I uh, I would say um, I appreciate you getting on here and we'll try to answer more of those questions. We're going to have a good time with this. I, I definitely want to have um, some cool people on. Uh, I've already I've already reached out to some of the snowbirds. And they said they'd be interested. I'd love to hear how their life is and how they do all the stuff they do. So, and 
one last thing on here uh, is my unit getting back. You know, we haven't heard anything. I should have talked a little bit about that, but uh, right, next time I'll talk about it next time. But right now, uh, it doesn't look good. We are not funded through FY18, and uh, that that right there is not a good thing. So unless politicians roll in and help out, uh, then uh, we, we're probably they're probably going to close down the combat Learjet squadron. I hope that's not the case. I'm hoping for a last minute uh, fourth and goal, and uh, we have a stop and we stop it. But uh, honestly, I you know I it doesn't look good right now. So. Appreciate you guys. I know a lot of you guys did shout outs and we will, uh, once we get a little, I'll probably push that one more time and then we'll, we'll do, I'll, I'll make sure that we get our number one patch out to somebody that's, you know, randomly that's uh, helped us out and we appreciate that. So, you know, again, I, you know, I have guys, I had a guy just say, I hope your unit closed whatever. I'm retired. So it's not my unit. It's I'm doing this for the guys that are still there that, that, uh, you know, they're, they're great folks there. And, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see the mission. I don't want to see any of that go away. So anyway, that it is what it is. So thank you guys for uh, joining us. I appreciate it. And we'll see you next time.